Yes, Shepard Maniacs, you're listening to another episode of the Shop Talk Show. I'm Dave. How works CSS4 and React? Rupert and <laughs> is Chris thinking face emoji. Uh, Coyer. Hey, Whoa, Chris, how are you? Inside baseball there. That's great. If anybody got that joke, you get 100,000 points. Um, and if you wrote the comment, you also get 102,000 points because <laughs> I, I appreciate this since there's a good, honest question in there, I believe. But, there kind um, of is, honestly. I, I hate to, to poke fun at it too bad. Um, although, not really. Uh, yeah. The last two, maybe more plus episodes, we've just turned this show into like, we're just talking about browsers. We can't stop. We can't help ourselves. It's become the browser show. In fact, I think we named 399 the browser show. And now that's over. And it's episode 400. What? Oh, my God. What a milestone. You know, there's only 52 weeks in a year, so we're edging up on eight years of doing this show. We're probably actually over that because of the weeks that we've skipped. It's an incredibly long time to do a show, so thanks so many for the people, no matter how long you've been listening. That's really cool, and we still love doing it. If you listen to all 400, you get 400,000 points. Yeah, I don't think there's enough points to give you. Um, but I bet, or I know, as a matter of fact, in these, in this last, you know, run up of shows where we can't stop talking about what browsers are doing, there's probably, I I hope there's been some interesting stuff and probably some, depending on who you are, cringeworthy moments where they're like, "Mm, they're not getting that right. And that's partially because Dave and I don't work for any browsers. I have, we don't have any particular other than, you know, casual conversations, little Slack convos here and there. Don't have any particular inside baseball knowledge on what browsers are doing. So our knowledge comes from blog posts and just, you know, yapping our mouths about what we think is going on. So in this episode, we're going to fix some of that, I hope, because we have two amazing guests, both have been on the show before, uh, that quite literally do work for browsers and probably have roles that make them extremely knowledgeable about what's going on at the browsers. Uh, uh, So we have Jen Simmons. Hey, Jen. Hello. Hey. Congratulations on 400 shows. That's huge. Yeah, thanks. Thanks so much. It It feels good. Uh, we are going to maybe you know shortly c- coincide the release of of this with a with a new website as well. It's that's a deadline, so now I've guaranteed that we're going to blow past it. And oops, sorry, but it's hey, coming. Episode four hundred four looks really good. <laughs> it's looking good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Full of full of SVG and ASCII and glitch. And oh god, it's going to be weird. Um, Jen, you uh, you're at Mozilla, yeah. I am at Mozilla. Yes, the company that makes the Firefox browser. Mm-hmm. And 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 role is uh, I'm sure it has a specific, but is it just dev evangelist or is it more specific uh, than that? Yeah, developer advocate, or I like calling I like calling myself designer and developer advocate because I think of myself as an advocate for all the people who make websites, not just the people who write the code. Oh, lovely. Okay, and we also have Adam Argyle. Hi, Adam. Yo, 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 yes, Argyle. That's cool, though. Like, Argyle's, when they would call me on the phone and be like, hi, is Mr. Argyle there? And I'm like, sorry, no, there's no Argyle here. Uh, I did an instantaneous footnote, though. <laughs> yeah, right. You screwed that up. You're not friends or family, so bye. Um, <laughs> yep, no worries. Adam, you are at Google. I am at Google, yes. Yeah, and and also have a probably complicated job title, but is in the realm of developer evangelist, yeah, advocate. Yeah, I, 
it's kind of funny. Like, uh, just like Jen, I like to represent designers and sort of more than just engineers. And so, yeah, mine is Chrome CSS and UX DevRel. Ooh, oh, that's right. You I get CSS it. in your name, which is which is to the envy of a, of a lot of people, I think. But wow, cool, cool job, both of you, excellent jobs, uh, and work for very different companies uh, uh, in a lot of ways. But but you know, predominantly, I guess, for this show, literally different browsers. And perhaps two of the, or all, definitely, you know, two of the, the biggest last standing browsers. Uh, last standing is just a, maybe an unfair way, but just, you know, we kind of, we lost, we lost Edge in a way. Edge is still around. Microsoft's still around, of course, but they now use Chromium. So it's not a rendering engine or, a, you know, you know, somebody fix my words for me there. What am I saying? <laughs> I think you're trying to say that uh, there's two rendering engines, one being Blink, which then is what yeah. Chrome uses. Uh, Google Chrome is what, now it's what Microsoft Edge uses. It's also what Samsung Internet uses, Internet browser. Um, there's a whole bunch of browsers, actually. It's I, what the payday lender Opera uses. It's a lot of... Um, <laughs> no! I think like <laughs> QQ, like everyone forgets to talk about the QQ browser, but that has a huge market share in some markets. Um, and also I Blink, think, yes. Yeah, Chromium I think most of those are all like Blink or Forks of Blink or Forks of Chromium or Brave Vivaldi. Yes, yep, yep. and then you got Gecko. Gecko drives Firefox. Uh, pretty awesome. And and I sometimes remember that like Gecko, Mozilla came from Netscape and Netscape came from Mosaic. So it's this kind of legacy of the original GUI browser. Not that it's the same code because it's totally not the code, but it's uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's. It's been yeah, a browser a that's been around lineage. for a really long time. Yeah, there's a lineage and and was really powerful imp- ancestral origins. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but then there's really three rendering engines because WebKit is also a really important. Right. And we know Blink came from engine. that, but has it been long enough that the, it's 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 just different now? It doesn't like the lineage. It's cool to know that the lineage is there, but it kind of doesn't matter anymore. Well, I think that's a good question we could get into. Like it does it count? Does WebKit count as a third rendering engine or is it just well, much. it has to because it's the only one that's on the freaking iPhone. Yeah, and then WebKit then drives just to close the loop. Safari, which also means iOS, Safari on iOS as well as Mac. And actually every browser on iOS, when you open up that browser, no matter which company logo it is that you're clicking on, is Edge, running. Firefox, Chrome. They yeah. all it's actually Safari. run WebKit Yeah. Yeah. Or if you like open up Facebook or you open up Twitter and you click on a link and you stay inside that app and you're looking at that web page inside that app, you're also running on Safari web browser technology, basically. I hate to say this, but as like somebody who like has to write words professionally about all this sometimes, sometimes I just give up and I don't try to use the right, like, am I talking about a rendering engine here or am I talking about the open source project or am I talking about a sub part of the thing that runs the thing? And I just say, Chrome, Safari, or Firefox. I just use those words instead, which probably makes me sound a little dumb sometimes, but I feel like there's some clarity to that. <laughs> I, I think most people or even developers you know, might be ignorant to the engine differences and they only know the, the, the end product that you can install, you know? Um, well, and, you know, I would have expected when I started working for Firefox that I would learn more and more, which I have, and that I would know for sure better and better. And I, I do not know for sure better, but, like, mm. it just gets more and more and more and more and more and more complicated, actually. Any of it. Sure. CSS, understanding CSS, understanding exactly what is the difference between the rendering engine and the browser itself and, you know, 
Samsung internet browser, for instance, is, is a fork of Blink or maybe a fork of Chromium. And so, you know, you go to a website like Can I Use and Samsung internet doesn't always have the exact same data as Chrome because, you know, like I think they shipped Grid six months later or something. Um, really? Isn't that, don't they, they kind of freeze their versions, right? Like I remember, you know, Chrome was on like, you know, mid sixties and they were stuck on 48 or 52 or something. Is that, uh, I, I think they do that just purely out of like, it's a, one of the top selling uh, Android brands. So I think they kind of have to move a bit slower. Is that kind of the idea there? That's my guess. Maybe Adam knows better, but I, I, that's what my guess is that like, they're just careful. They don't want to ship something to a whole bunch of phones, especially in you know lower powered phones, <laughs> cheaper phones that might. You be wouldn't spoiled. want to break CSS Grid with a release. That'd be crazy. Yeah, like I think they, <laughs> I think they, I think they were kind of conservative about shipping Grid because they wanted to make sure that um, it was going to be fast enough that like like the slowest phone that Samsung puts out could handle Grid, which it totally can, and so they shipped it. But they took a little bit of time to make sure. And yeah, look at Kenny's right now, and it's like Samsung Internet. 10 is the current version of Samsung Internet, not 80, which is the current version of Chrome and Edge. Um, so yeah, yeah, I guess they got different numbers. I don't know. It gets really complicated. I, that's, all that's just to say, I don't feel like anybody is an expert for real, for sure. Like, we're all stumbling around. I, I was surprised Edge picked up the, the, you know, it went from like Edge 17 to Edge 79 <laughs> right. or something. Yeah. You know, so I was surprised that Edge picked <laughs> up the Chromium uh uh, versioning, but it makes sense for them. I like it. I'm glad they did. Okay, so one of the first things on my notes here is that it what makes this so fascinating and perhaps unavoidable on a show like this is that y'all, you know, Firefox and Chrome release browsers pretty regularly. I, what it's a month ish, right? In versions these days on both sides, you know, maybe six stable, weeks sometimes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sometimes it's nightly, right? We got Firefox nightly. You got Canary. Where the, yeah. that's hot. Yeah. Yeah, how how often does Chrome? Yeah, how often does Chrome come out, Adam? Like, what do you do you know off the top of your head? Ooh, no, I think though it's once a month or something like that, and they're about to bump it up. They're about to double down on. Uh, releases. I think they think about it nicely. I don't, you know, not to put words in your mouth, but I was looking at the dates of upcoming releases for both recently, and they're not. It's not just like some set in stone thing. I feel like somebody actually like <laughs> thought hard about it and like dealt with holidays and dealt with you know. Yeah internal stuff so that the dates were actually intelligent and it's you know i think it's not four weeks is is short and six weeks is long it's in the middle generally well firefox was six weeks i think was the um number that we were shooting for and it was adjusted for holidays and such that we weren't Mm -hmm. you know shipping a browser on a friday afternoon or like shipping it and then going off to some vacation for whatever um so it wasn't always six weeks. It was sort of six to eight, depending on holiday schedules. Uh, but we just bumped it up. So in 2020, starting in January, we have sped it up. The go faster, go faster initiative. So now we're doing it every four weeks. Oh, um, wow. So it's, okay. it's kind of a little faster than monthly, actually. Yeah. Um, and w- when both Chrome, you know, Chrome had a big, like, as, I, as I speak here, the latest release was 80, I think, and Firefox is 73, whatever. When a blog post comes out with a browser release, even even though they're so fast, they're only monthly. It's packed. There's tons it's of packed. stuff. It's packed. Yeah. It's amazing. In I say that in a good way. In a like, you know, it's like wow. There's something in here for everybody because the 
you know, uh, my last thought in looking at all this is like, there's so many like different kinds of developers and developers that work on different projects that care about different things. There's somebody, there's something for everybody in these browser releases, both really impressive. You know, you'll look through some Firefox notes and see like, oh my God, independent transforms shipped sick. You know, what a nice Ooh, yeah. thing, you know? And then, or you'll look through Chrome notes and be like, I don't know, some cool new contact picker API shipped. Oh, sick. You know, what a great idea, you know? Uh, and they're different, but that's always been the case. You know, browsers just work on different things. That's just yeah. the way it is, you know? Yeah, and it's funny too, Safari. I think sometimes people think Safari comes out once a year, but if you've really been paying attention, at least my personal observation has been that they release a lot of stuff the rest of the year. I mean, they have their big operating system release with the with the version number change, so to go from 12 to 13 in the fall, but, but they also... Um, you know, there's usually some sort of a bigger release in March, and then there's like all these point releases uh, that sometimes there's a lot of stuff packed into a point release, and you look at their release notes. And so it, I think that it's really just changed for all of the browsers, it feels like. And I don't own, a, I don't have an Android phone, but I imagine that it's also true on a lot of these other mobile browsers is that there's things are just constantly changing. There's constantly new things coming out. And so as a web developer, if you're wondering, you know, how supported is this particular piece of technology that I'm considering using, you really have to go look it up at whatever given moment and and realize that it's probably going to change fairly quickly or there, there's a chance that it will change fairly quickly. Um, and it's not like 10 years ago where we waited an entire year for a new browser to come out and that browser had sort of all the things and then nothing would come out for another year um, or sometimes two or three years. Uh, so yeah, it's just a very different environment where things are constantly changing and it makes it hard for developers, I think, to kind of keep up. I think people feel overwhelmed by that, the fact that it's always changing. This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you in part by AWS Amplify. You know AWS, right? Uh, uh, Amazon Web Services. It powers most of the internet, it feels like. There's a ton of things that go in the AWS bucket, like EC2 allows you to like spin up servers of your choice and has all kinds of configuration. And like S3 is for file storage and Lambdas is for running cloud functions, all kinds of stuff that individually you can set up and use and are great. Uh, but there's so much more than that. You know, there's a ton of different things AWS does. AWS Amplify is kind of a package of tools to help you build full stack apps for the web. So it's, it's like, I don't know, just give me the stuff that I need that usually you need to build an app. So Amplify is hosting. You need web hosting. It's got that. It's got authentication for logins for your users. It's got GraphQL as a first-class citizen of it. It's got serverless functions like I need, you know, the Lambda thing. I want to run some code in the cloud to hit APIs and do whatever else I need to. And it's got file storage if you need it. It's got some machine learning stuff in there if you need it. So Amplify is this you know, easy to use full stack framework for getting started quick with building web apps is really cool. The auth stuff alone is cool. It's just a few lines of code in there. GraphQL has taken over the world of how to uh, uh, get things from a database, put things back in a database, really front end development friendly way to do database stuff. Love GraphQL. It's just built in as a first class citizen. It's the scalable API. You just it just you don't have to provision your own servers. It just does it up for you. Uh, pretty cool. So AWS Amplify is really cool. Definitely worth checking out, especially as a front-end developer. So check all that out.
one of the points I wanted to see what you all thought of, this is just what it seems like to me, seems like some truth to this, that in those release notes, in the in the evolution of browsers, it seems like of the, of the you know, the major three languages that browsers speak, HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, and I know there's a lot more than that. There's HTTP and SVG and PNG, all kinds of stuff that are like technically sort of like languages that browsers support. But of the three ones we talk about the most and matter to web authors probably the most is HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. And it seems unquestionable that JavaScript moves the fastest. You know, there's all, you know, like when I mentioned that contact picker API, that manifests itself as a JavaScript API, you know. Uh, I don't think that probably has anything at all to do with HTML and CSS really, you know. Uh, And you see the release, and there's always JavaScript stuff. The language itself moves, APIs move, new ones come up, things are improved. There's just a lot happening in JavaScript land. You know, fine. CSS moves perhaps in the middle, you know, we get new stuff, but it's a little slower, but there's still exciting releases and, and stuff that happens. And then HTML seems to me moves the slow list in, in the fact that almost never at all. I mean, chances are you read a, a release notes from a browser release and HTML's not in there, you know, HTML doesn't do anything. <laughs> so is that fair or is that like a weird bad characterization? No, you're reminding me of uh, Jeremy Keith. He's been on stage. He's got that awesome Awesome graph, right? Where he's like, the speed of JavaScript is like super, uh, what does he call it too? It has like a cool name. Anyway, he's just an amazing speaker. But yeah, he's got a great graph that shows how these things don't move at the same speed. Um, And it's kind of, and he talks about the advantages and the disadvantages of it. Um, Maybe we'll link it in the show notes, but I think he explains it really well on it. And it makes sense and it's okay. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying that's a bad thing necessarily, but there's been more chatter lately that, that maybe it's, you know, okay, fine, it's supposed to move slowly, but, like, maybe maybe too slow is a problem, too, because there's plenty of things that have been identified that just would be nice to see happen at the HTML level. And we're seeing some of that start to happen, it feels like. So, you know, at the end of the last show, Dave and I were like, oh, my gosh, what a week, you know, where we saw, um, you know, Dave, <laughs> this might as well be the HTML imports show, too, because we end up talking about those forever as this, as this part of web components that kind of died that Dave feels pretty strongly about, I think is fair to say. And there, we saw some movement in that. And, you know, Dave had some thoughts, but it's interesting to see that being talked about again. And then, you know, so let me just set that down for a minute. We also saw the uh, big discussion about container queries get kicked off and how much kind of, you know, uh, there's a very clear high amount of interest in that in, amongst the CSS community. And to have all of a sudden that being looked at very seriously and having some agreement on some things, it seems like from the outside anyway, like, wow, you know, and we, we've seen all of us, I think I've seen Nicole and Greg on stage talking about, uh, and Greg's from Microsoft and Nicole's from Google. So that's immediately interesting anyway, to see kind of browsers cooperate on things. They're talking about inputs as maybe only second to container queries in my experience in the CSS community. CSS people are like, if I could have anything in the world, what I want is to be able to, you know, have some some styling influence and maybe even behavioral influence over HTML imp- inputs. So I don't know. That was a lot, but wow, stuff's happening. Stuff is yeah, happening. Yeah, I think um, one thing that's interesting to me, it, having joined the CSS working group now, I guess about four years ago, and and starting to understand more about what's happening with some of the other working groups or the browsers, is that there's this there's this odd combination of different um, priorities or 
desires or motivations, maybe is the best word, like different reasons that pieces, different technologies get created. And one of the mysteries of, and one of the beautiful things about the web standards process is there's this way in which all these different people who are companies, organizations who have a stake in what's going on on the web come together and then their interests are being represented. And some of those interests are really great and totally aligned with what the web needs or users of the web need or authors, people who make websites need. And sometimes they aren't in alignment. Sometimes it's like, well, this company needs this thing or this country needs this thing or this, the people who make this type of device need this thing. And so therefore, that it's going to happen because they're putting employees on it and those employees are putting their time into it. And something that's, I don't know, I've always... You know, when CSS, as, as working as a developer, when new CSS would come out, I just would sort of trust that it came from some sort of, I don't know, like Moses coming with the tablets down from the mountain. Like it's come, something comes down from the mountain on a CSS specification tablet and is handed to people who make websites. And that, and that there's something mysterious and, and perhaps even divine about that process. Not literally, but there's, but, but. But something that when you take a group of people who have different interests and you toss them together in a, in a context where the process is working fairly well, that somehow magic happens. And what ends up getting invented or created is, is more than the sum of the parts. It's more than the individual people in the room would have come up with. It's better than what they would have come up with. Or it's more than those individual companies and what those individual companies wanted. Uh, and, and so in some ways you could say, sure, why is why are we getting so many JavaScript APIs right now? Is this a good thing or not? Well, some of it is that maybe it's because there's a that's what needs to happen. Like that is what's good for the web. It's bigger than any of us. It's bigger than all of us combined. It's just the direction in which we're going. And some of it is perhaps like, oh, well, you can trace it back to this particular company or this particular group or this particular campaign that's saying, we must have this, we must have this, we must have this, this is important, this is important, this is important. And and I think that, I think part of what should happen if a web standards process is happening well, if it's happening in a healthy way, if it's happening in a way that ends up with something that's greater than the sum of the parts and is magic and is the best for the web, then that process needs to support a kind of a back and forth so that no particular interest of a of a of a company or a group or a campaign or a, is is sort of taking over and dominating in a way that is actually bad for the web um and so i think in some ways it's like yeah do we want this do we want css to be slower right now do we need more out of css what could authors people who make websites web developers what could web designers do to demand more of what people who make all the websites actually need and a little bit less perhaps of what certain agendas from certain corporations want or I don't know there's like a interplay in there and not to say that is anything particularly is bad or anything is particularly great or good but just their attention needs to be paid I think all the time to make sure that that process is in fact healthy and that it's not going to get dominated by one particular massive player who just has an incredible amount of power because they have so much money uh, that would be bad for so them. yeah I feel some of that is um I guess I tend to ignore, you know, like if something gets shipped that is not for me as an author, because, you know, you look at these really long browser release notes and probably 70% of it, I'm just like, I, I guess I kind of get it, but I don't really care. 
And then there's a few things that I'm like, ooh, nice, you know, and I bet that that percentage is different for other people. But if some, you know, kind of corporate sponsored fancy thing had to go down, I just I would just shrug and be like, oh, well, whatever, I didn't need it. So but but you're saying we should be critical of that to some degree because the 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 few people on Earth that write the code that make those things happen could have been doing something else that's perhaps a little more useful. Oh, I wouldn't say that. Like, for instance, a couple weeks ago now, maybe, um, there's this funny day where suddenly both Microsoft and Samsung were announcing devices that fold and screens that fold, right? Uh, those flip phones, the resurgence of the flip phone, and then uh, Microsoft has that, like, Surface tablet that folds in half. Um, and only, I don't know, like, Five days before that, in the CSS Working Group meeting, Microsoft presented a proposal for adding something to CSS so that authors can, and I'm sorry, I keep using the word authors, but I mean, <laughs> like, what media foldable, can, um, whatever, so, mm. figure out where the fold is. Yeah. Like, it's unclear whether it should be a media query or if it should be an environmental variable, but some sort of a tool so that people can kind of know sure. where that fold is and do a layout that reacts to that fold for whatever So reason. one way to look at that is, uh, like, cool, I guess we have to deal with your weird device now. But we've seen that before, like where Apple ships the notch and we got to have new CSS to deal with the notch, you know? Right. So I, in the middle of the meeting, because I didn't really know what I thought about it, so I tossed a tweet out in the world and was kind of like, because my first sense was that, oh, web designers aren't going to care about this. Like, nobody cares about this. This is this is the hardware manf- manufacturers who care about this. Um, but I wanted to hear if somebody did have use cases or did have a, something where they were like, oh, that's awesome. I'd love to do it. Here's my idea. Because I wanted to be able to not just think about it myself. I wanted to know if other people had ideas. And most of the tweets came back. They were like, uh, total waste of time. Ugh, I hate it. I'll never use it. Mm, I can't believe you all are putting effort into working on that. And I was like, oh, yeah, but that's not how it works. Like, the effort put into defining a media query or an environmental variable for folding screens and then implementing that in the browsers that need it is not going to derail something else. Like, believe me, those are, you know, whoever at Microsoft, I mean, I don't know this for sure, but as a person just guessing from the sidelines, like, whoever at Samsung and whoever at Microsoft who wanted this thing to happen is not going to be like, Oh, never mind. Don't do that. Why don't you go work on overflow fragmentation instead? Or why don't you? That's actually a bad example. Why don't you go work on like underline styling instead? Because you're like okay. it's not a it's not a zero sum game. Like so, I think it's fine. Like yeah, sure. Let's spec that stuff. Maybe it will turn out that those devices will never take off, and maybe does it kind of it, manifest it won't be a itself? Thing like like if we do now, that, we'll then we have go, precedent oh, yeah, we for the next thing. time it comes them. along too, and the next time will be even easier because we have. Some commits we can look at uh, of how it went last time. And I think it's, I mean, that's why we got CSS Grid, because Microsoft was very interested in having something in web technology that would mimic what they were designing in Metro for Windows 7 at the time with all those squares. Remember all those color blocks and squares and stuff? Um, I think that's why Grid happened. So I don't think we should worry that time is going to get wasted on something that's not super useful to web developers. I think the worry, and this is a really big worry, is that something will get rushed and put onto the web without enough discussion. And so maybe only one party's interests are being represented and not everybody's interests. And most dangerously, and this happens especially with DOM APIs, the stuff that JavaScript can use, that something about that technology might be insecure. Now, for example, like contact API, like 
reaching in and grabbing all the addresses and phone numbers and email and like home addresses and email addresses from users, web users, personal address book. Like they're, they're just things that, you know, or some kind of payment system that uses credit cards or some kind of a login system or password system, or there's just a lot of things that we've seen end up being very insecure and ending up with certain companies grabbing and vacuuming up data or user data. And we just shouldn't ship that stuff onto the web quickly. Speed is not the value that I think we should have there or that Mozilla thinks we should have there. Like it, we need to be careful about those things and do them well and not accidentally open up security vulnerabilities where corporations can abuse users or something crazy can go down. Um, and that stuff takes time. It takes time to think it through. It takes time to discuss it. and Specify and build, I'm know. sure. So let's, if we focused in on one, because I think both of you know little parts of this, and I'm sure Dave and I and our audience would be super interested to know, like, what's happening with this container queries thing? We The only information we saw publicly was Brian Cardell's post that said, like, oh, like, maybe we can flip this idea on its head a little bit. Maybe we'll have a CSS function that, can, you know, has access to some kind of, like, variable that represents the screen width and we'll use that to do what we pretty much could have done with uh with a media query kind of thing although maybe it's a little more verbose or something like when you see that um i guess just adam just to split it up a little bit what have you been following that do you are you excited about that is that going to happen too fast or too slow or well i yeah i've definitely been following it i'm super excited about it i've i've felt those pains many times and uh, the current status that I know of, so just to like quickly uh, share its current state, is that we're waiting for David Barron to release his proposal. So we're going to get two proposals, one from Brian, one from... Was that Mozilla, uh, right? Yes. Uh, yes? Yeah. Okay. Um, and so what we're going to get is two competing proposals. Now, these proposals feel like they popped out of nowhere. I totally agree. It's like, hey, we've been asking and... Pff, Magically, someone showed up in a poof of smoke and was like, mm. voila. Uh, and we're all like, oh, oh, ah, you know, we're all just, but, but the reality is, it's like Brian has hacked on like way mm-hmm. more than five versions of that. Like way more than five. He's connected with cats like Jonathan Neal. Uh, he's reached out to anybody. Like if you know EQCSS with Tommy Hodgins, he talks with Tommy all the time. So like Brian has really connected himself to people who've been pushing this, um, got their ideas, had his. Uh, proposal vetted. And then what happens is it still take it to somebody like Tab or uh, he just kind of shops it around. He shops his idea around and people are like, ooh, yeah. that still has cyclical issues or ooh, this has this issue. And when he showed someone that proposal that he released the other day, they went, hey, we could do that. And that's when they were like, huzzah, all of our attempts, all of our efforts, all of this uh, work that we've been doing for so long is finally going to pay off. Yeah, I'm going to write an article about it. It's funny that it's political in nature in that way, and that it's not like somebody like tried to implement all five of those and found problems with it. They just had a kind of a gut instinct of working on the project for so long that it probably isn't going to work. And that when that's voiced, that be, kind of becomes the rule of the land. Then be like, I don't know, somebody said that's not going to work, so we're not even going to try it. No. 
No, I think you're right. And when I started, I challenged it hard. I was like, I want container careers. You need to tell me right now why it doesn't work. And they were like, cyclical issues. And I was like, that sounds like BS. Tell me the reality. And they were, <laughs> they were like, right? And I was like, so t- I did. I sat down with Tab for a long time. I was like, dude, I need to understand what you mean. It's over my head. Cyclical issues over my head. Um, and he broke it down. And as soon as I understood it, I was like, oh, um, you're right. That That is a foot gun. That is like a a gnarly foot gun. Okay, so, and then I started to think about it. I think about it in my car rides home, but I don't have the time or mental capacity to sit there and hammer on it. There's too many considerations and kudos to Brian and David for sitting down and like synthesizing all of this and aggregating it and and contemplating on it and proposing and proposing. Ah, it's, it's very admirable. So I think the current state is a reflection of a collaboration of many, many intelligent people. And it's, it's really nice. And it's probably tasteful of Brian to say, hey, this is just an idea. Like, I think he painted the picture pretty well. Like, this may not be the final thing. I don't know. This is just like, I finally got a thumbs up that this yeah. could be doable, right? And so what do you think, Jen, about, you know, do you, have you gotten a sneak peek at what David is working on? Or what's your thoughts on all this? I mean, what I've seen over the last couple of years is that folks who, you know, especially kind of influential web designers have articulated the need for container queries or element queries or whatever you want to call it. Like people want a way to use something like a media query, but rather than say, depending on the size of the viewport, I want to depend on the size of the, of the containing block. So when this card is in a column that's 200 pixels wide, I want it to do this. When it's in a column that's 400 pixels wide, I want to do it to do that. Just for anyone listening who doesn't know what container queries means, that's what it is, right? So folks like yourself or Ethan Marcotte, or there were a bunch of people who kind of articulated like, this is what we need in order to write efficient code in the world of design systems. And, you know, we we need this, we need this, we need this, we need this. And it felt like it got to the place where designers and developers were kind of mad, they were like, how come nobody understands how important this is? How come nobody understands that this is something we need? Which isn't really what was going on. Um, what was going on is that exactly what Adam just described, where the folks who understand how a rendering engine works, which I am not one of them, but who actually understand how paint happens, how page layout happens. When they heard about this request, they were like, oh, we get why that's important. We understand. I mean, they invented media queries in the first place. They're the ones who came up with media queries. They know why a container query would be needed. They just were like in their head going, uh, yeah, that's not going to work, right? <laughs> so um, because, yeah, if you say, oh, this card, I want this layout if it's 400, if the containing block is 400 pixels wide, but then once that layout is triggered, then the containing block size gets changed to 300. So then it's like, oh, wait, go back and do the other layout. And then, oh, it gets like, you could easily end up in an infinite loop. Um, So then the question becomes, well, how do you prevent infinite loops? And there's a lot of things in CSS where it seems like, oh, well, you just, you know, restrict the ability to use that and it'll be easy. But the truth is that no, restricting the ability to Mm -hmm. use things is not a good solution. We rarely do that in CSS. You can kind of use everything with everything in CSS. And and if you just do decide to do that, when you get in there, you're like, oh, this is actually really way harder. You know, the one I always think of is just hover. 
you can change the width of something on hover and then that's it what I said does, to tab too. Yeah, it's got the <laughs> it's like the most cyclical problem ever. But I've heard that they say, well, just because that one's messy doesn't mean we ever want to deal with messiness again. You know? Right. And it's one thing to have one object resize on hover. It's a different thing to have the entire page and the entire layout have like multiple infinite loops happening all at once. Like you could easily crash the browser with that kind of stuff, I, I would guess, sure. not, not knowing how page layout works. But the CSS working group listens and we know how important this is. We've seen, and it, it's helpful that authors have been demanding it. We've seen survey after survey, tweet poll after tweet poll, people being like, container queries. What do we want? We want container queries. When do we want it? We want it now. <laughs> like, And... uh <laughs> Yeah, so at Mozilla, we we sit down periodically and think about, you know, what is it that, you know, I mean, like any company, what what's our what are our plans for next quarter? What are our plans for the next year? And we've increasingly, over the last two or three years, those plans are made knowing what authors want, saying, what do people who make websites need the most? Let's see if we can knock a couple of those things off the list, um, which is why we're working on aspect ratios. It's why we're working on, uh, it's why we ship subgrid, or, you know, way before anybody else ships upgrade because we know that these are really important things to authors. So container queries has been on the top of that list for quite a while. And we sat down and said, yeah, we're going to make sure that this happens in first quarter 2020. And David Barron carved out a bunch of his time. He's one of the smartest people in the world when it comes to knowing CSS. People have said, and I think it's probably true, that he could probably recite the CSS2 specification from memory. (laughs) He knows it so well. Um, and he also understands the Gecko rendering engine very, very deeply. He's he's a distinguished engineer at Mozilla, one of the highest level engineers uh, involved with layout and paint, and if not the highest level. And so he's he's spending a bunch of his time this quarter sitting down, going through it, being like, okay, what would this take? What could we do? Where are the limits? Instead of just the first sense that it's not going to be possible to like be like, okay, but could it be? How could it be possible? How could we limit it? How could we structure it so that it doesn't? Okay, so to you, like, you look at this, the process that's happened with container queries and be like, this is actually pretty healthy. This is about as good as it can go. Yeah, would you, is that fair to say? Yeah, I think so. There's been a lot of input from authors. Uh, like Adam said, Brian Cardell from Agalia, he works over at Agalia, who is the company that implemented Grid on behalf of uh Bloomberg and put it into the blank rendering engine and the web rendering engine. And they've worked on a bunch of other web standards, implementing web standards. They're deeply involved, even though they don't have a browser, they're involved with making browsers. And so Brian's been also looking at this um, and digging into it. And that's how it works. Like kick around ideas. That's how we ended up with Grid 2 is, is that like, there was a whole spec that got kicked around for years and failed, the template layout spec. And then there was a new spec that Microsoft put together and kicked around for a while. And then those two specs were merged and that those merged ideas were kicked around for a while. And, you know, it took forever. It took too long. But then we ended up with something that was actually really powerful and really modern and exactly what we need for, you know, sort of post-responsive web design. And I think that that's going to happen with container queries as well. It's not, container queries are probably not as complicated as Grid, but they, but the conversation about like, how could we make this happen with the rendering engine and not have multiple paints to the page and make it fast and make it robust and make it uh, not crush the browser? Well, let's round robin this one a little bit. Adam, do you what, do you feel good about the process that you've seen so far for container queries or no, have any other insight about how it is happening? I mean, I, I, I'm happy with its current state. I I can't help but say that I wish things had happened faster and that 
more folks felt that, that they could contribute. There seems to be a handful of people that that feel smart enough to prototype stuff or they feel uh, and yeah, and I think that that is a little sad. I'd, I'd wish that there were more competing proposals. It sounds like fun. Like this is, if you're interested in this sort of thing, the proposal is kind of innocent and I wish it didn't have uh, so much kind of pressure around it or anxiety. It would be way more fun if more people felt that they could contribute and if it was centralized more and was easier to understand. But like Dave was saying in, in 399, like you look at some of these proposals like for uh, declarative shadow DOM and you're, you're just, you're 15 comments into the thread and your mind is exploding. You know, so there's there's barriers to entry that I wish would get knocked down and I, I don't know how to knock them down. But I think overall though, yeah, I'd, I'd give container queries a B plus in terms of like, <laughs> um, you know, like this, this is pretty good. Yeah, I, I, the yeah. outcome's going to be optimal. The flow seems good. I like that there's at least more than one person that's like hammering on it. So no, it seems nice. Uh, although, you know, it does have a lot of implications. Though, yeah. We've had a, you know, we talked about the contact picker API, which I know actually nothing about, but it was just kind of a nice stand in for a feature that I, it doesn't, it feels a little green fieldy, right? Uh, it, which is like, Maybe that's why it's so easier to move fast on stuff like that. Is like you can't. There's no. There's nothing to break. It's just totally new. So you just you can just do whatever you well, want. No you can. I, I don't know that I would agree with that. Um, <laughs> okay. I don't know what I want to say about it, but uh, I get the privacy implication. That seems important, but it, I don't know. It seems like there's like less to break when it doesn't exist yet. But, but feel free to 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 think about it for a minute. I want to ask Dave, though, what do you, like, if you're going to give it an A through F or whatever, how do you feel as an author about all this container query stuff? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I've been on the the groups and whatever since the idea first came up. I helped Tyson Matnich prototype something for Microsoft back in 2012. He wrote a blog post for Smashing about it. Um, I mean, quite literally been thinking about this since 2012 there's blog posts from 2011 i mean that feels like astronomically long in in web time you know um <laughs> and we still like don't have it we have a switch statement right now you know kind of on on deck you know um which is cool I, i'm like into it but like like that's we're, we're coming up on you know nine years of talking about it and, and we yeah. have a switch statement yeah um yeah. so Little slow for me, <laughs> Dave Rupert, uh, website maker. Um, so, but you know, I, I like it's that thing you take what you can get um, when, whenever it comes. But, but I guess I'm I'd be curious and about ideas to make this faster. I mean, I know you know it's the the main element is just a spicy div, but that took ten years. You know, like how <laughs> how do we make it go a little bit faster? Um, and then even on top of that, you know, let's say we come up with a thing. Now we, now we have to wait for it to roll out. You know, I mean, we talked about, we know like WebKit has sped up their, their cycles, like their release cycles and they have technical previews, but I'm, I'm looking at the WebKit feature status board right now. And there's, uh, there's only 16 issues in development or in preview, you know? So it's like, cool. 2020 at most I I'm getting, or <laughs> currently it looks like I'm getting three new features on the web platform in 2020 uh, here. Um, and then there's a, a bunch that are in development. So I guess I'm like, even if we, 
like solve the the speed thing how do we get browsers to move along with us I, you know even if we come up with a, a container query spec how do we get browsers to move along with us i'd love to know that answer is it interesting that the browsers are we what we did as authors is we asked browsers because it seemed like they were the people that couldn't yay or nay this thing and we didn't ask the css working group right is the css working group's just going to be like oh looks like a nice syntax we should have that I don't know if that's how it works. Well, I well, <laughs> I mean, we we did ask. We we solicited feedback on proposals and stuff and and I think we always got sort of the the can got kicked down the road. It was, "Oh, oh, well, well, we got we we're working on containment. That wait till containment comes out." And it's like, "Okay, wait 2 years, containment's out." Oh, 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 we're working on resize observer. That when that comes out, you know, we'll see. Okay, to or resize observer is in Safari preview right now. Um, another work done by Agalia, <laughs> um, uh, but like it, it's just kind of this thing. It's like, man, well, okay, I guess we'll just wait and see if this happens again. I'll wait another two year cycle, and hopefully, I have something I can use. You know, I just wanted an interesting loop on that. But yeah, Adam, what what were you going to say? Prolly fills. Uh, Prolly fills. Yes. Uh, so the the idea here is is like you uh, the foldable spec is kind of making one, but you can look these up. There's like historical references where people are like, this might be the polyfill that matches the standard, but it's probably not. So you can use it now to like prototype with this future thingy spec uh, idea, whether it's HTML, CSS, or JavaScript, where we're writing JavaScript to simulate what the browser will eventually do, maybe uh, if the spec doesn't change or if this proposal does go through. And polyfills can be a fun way to try these things out. Um, you know, like there's a typed OM polyfill. Uh, yeah, the, the foldables polyfill. These are I don't know. They're fun, interesting. You can move fast with JavaScript, right? And kind of iterate your way towards stability. Isn't and, like the entirety of Babel is a polyfill in a way? I guess so. Yeah, I guess if you're using stage zero, like some really experimental stuff, that might be polyfill uh, territory. Uh, but yeah, we have, by, by the time it bumps up a little bit, it's it's like it's not, it's not then a polyfill. That's the word we're used to is a polyfill, right? Which means like, this is actually supported in some browsers, but not others. So this piece of JavaScript makes it work in all browsers. But by the time it's a polyfill, it better as heck be, you better be polyfilling something real, right? So polyfill yeah. is just a clever word to be like this, you know, a little extra, can, you know, be extra careful here because it might not actually be like this. Yep. I get yeah. This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you by Clubhouse. Clubhouse is a fast and enjoyable project management platform that breaks down silos and brings teams together to ship value, not features. Let's face it, slow, confusing UX is so last decade. Clubhouse is lightning fast, built for today's software teams with only the features and best practices you need to succeed and nothing more. Here are a few highlights about Clubhouse. Flexible workflows. You can easily customize workflow states for teams or projects of any size. Advanced filtering. You can quickly filter by project or team to see how everything is progressing. There's sprint planning. Set your weekly priorities with iterations and let Clubhouse run the schedule for you. It also integrates with the tools you love. Clubhouse ties into your existing tools, services, and workflow. Get notifications or create a story in Slack, update the status of a story with a pull request, preview designs from Figma links, or build your own integration with the Clubhouse API and more. It also has enjoyable collaboration, easy drag and drop UI, dark mode, 
emoji reactions, and more. When you're doing your best work and your team is clicking, life is good. Clubhouse has recently made all core features completely free for teams with up to 10 users. And they're offering listeners of Shop Talk Show two free months on any paid plan with unlimited users and access to premium features. You can give it a try at clubhouse.io slash shoptalk. Thanks again to Clubhouse for sponsoring this episode of Shop Talk Show. Fascinating. So we knew we kind of we knew container queries because it's been such a hot topic. But while we have people from browsers here, you know, the, you know, I think you know loosely a goal for the show is to be like, what what's important to the browsers where you work? Like, is there stuff coming that that we should know about, or that you can just kind of leak here on this show because you know we're a reputable journalists and <laughs> this um, isn't a good opportunity. Can I? Yeah, I. I just want to follow. I just yeah. one last thing about the container queries thing before. Please, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I was just going to say that. Like, I I agree with everything Dave Rupert just said. Like, nine years is too long, and I I know I was being very optimistic in my first explaining everything, which I stand by. But then also, yeah, it's I have another pessimistic view of it too. Like, I do think that there are. Especially when the answer, it bugs, but personally, it bugs the crap out of me when people need something from CSS and the answer that kind of comes back in response is, well, you could just throw JavaScript at that instead. <laughs> um, and it, it, and there's very, there's a lot of different variations yeah. of that, but being like, yeah, yeah resize those or we'll fix that for you or something. It's like, no, we need some of these things. We really need an elegant, serious, powerful solution in CSS itself. And why do we need that? Because not everybody has a 50-person, multi-million dollar team working on their website. They need to be able to, you know, build a $5,000 website for their client. And writing a whole bunch of JavaScript in order to accomplish something is just not cool. Like, we need... So, I don't know. I guess all that's to say... Yeah, no. I I mean, I think... Yeah, no. I, that, and that's sort of how I feel. It's like, I want, I want the tool I, I, is, you know, I want new tools. I, that's what I care about. And that's sort of, maybe this gets into the next question of like, what, what are y'all working on? What new tools do I get? Um, Cause it, it's just, I, I just want more tools and, you know, I can, you know, some stuff you can polyfill and polyfill and maybe Houdini will make that easier too. But like, um, you know, some stuff like calc, you can't really polyfill var. You can't really polyfill switch would probably be another thing. You can't really polyfill that easily to my like based on my weird <laughs> or whatever my my like kind of one minute thinking I'm plus one that you know it feels like javascript stuff is a lot easier to that's why babel exists and why there isn't a babel of css because a lot of this new stuff is just like you can't really it's just too low level to do that not a media query for a folding aside. I mean, that seems a little polyfillable, but you just can't. Some stuff yeah, that you I hear just that. Just can't. There was no. Tommy Hodgins is a good example, though, yeah. of someone who's like, "Oh yeah, tell me what else I can't do, and then watch me do it." You know. <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah. That EQCSS is pretty is pretty fancy. But I, I agree with these sentiments. I would rather do things in CSS than than write JavaScript. It's even sort of an issue I have with Houdini. I've been writing a ton of Houdini, and I'm like, this is not really CSS. I mean, as an author of Houdini, it's JavaScript. As a consumer of Houdini. It's CSS-y, um, but I don't know the story about around Houdini is usually not the consumer side. It's usually the creation side. So anyway, I'm I'm on the same side. I would rather use CSS. Mm. Do you feel like Houdini is going to be just real quick? A eh? like a like a, there's going to be like a package manager for Houdini almost. You're like, do you need this NPM little thing installed? Torn paper. Well, just install it. 
<laughs> hey, what about yeah. NPM install masonry? I don't know, right? You get like a sweet yeah, masonry layout. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, yeah, there should be an at Houdini namespace or maybe a Pika package pops up that's, you know, a Houdini package. Um, uh, yeah, or even, I mean, if we're talking about package managers, CSS kind of needs its own. It's sort of piggybacking on like a really big, huge one, you know, NPM, and it's hard to navigate those waters sometimes. So anyway. Well, let's know what I want to know is where browsers are going or what they care about or just what's happening. So if we I'll pass it, you know, can we split the time here towards the end of the show between Adam and Jen here to find out like like, you know, t- 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 tell us what your browser cares about and is working on and is up to Jen. One of the things I think that causes the frustration that things don't go faster is that much like any of the software that any of our listeners are building right now, this is also software, and there's a limited number of engineers. There's a limited number of people who can design things or plan things, and it just takes time. Here, here, there's people behind these engineers. You know, like sometimes Google sounds immortal. Chrome is immortal, and it's like, uh, nope, it's run by people, and it's in some ways short-staffed. So there's that reality. Yeah, but you're right? like, oh, there's four people working on that. You're like, what do you mean there's four people working? And there's that's completely impossible. Aren't there four hundred people working? It's like, no. No, there's like four. So each time we decide to do one thing, we're deciding to not do something else. Um, so what are we working on right now? So one of the things that Mozilla is working on is another layout model that's super popular that everybody keeps asking about is a masonry layout, right? People keep using the JavaScript p- library to do masonry and people have heard about Grid and they're like, oh, yeah, I get to finally do masonry in CSS. And it's like, no. No, Grid doesn't do masonry. Grid only does Grid. Um, But one of the things that one of our engineers started working on is solving that use case. So Matt Pelgrim wrote a proposal, and it's at the working group right now, the CSS working group, um, to figure out how to do masonry in Grid. Really? It's not display masonry, is it? It's still display Grid? Display Grid, Grid columns masonry? Yeah, so his... He's prototyping an implementation that will go into Nightly behind a flag, I assume. It will not ship into the real world yet. It will just be a chance for us to play around with it and use it um, because the spec's not done and there's not an agreement about whether it should be display masonry or should be display grid, grid template columns masonry. Um, That's a thing. People who are listening could maybe jump in on the debate if you have opinions about that because that's a thing that has to get worked out. Um, I mean, there's an example, right? Like, if we wanted to violate the web standards process, we could at Mozilla just say, oh, we don't care about anybody else. We don't care about having a conversation. We're going to ship it. We decided by ourselves that we think it should be display masonry, or we should we, that it should be gr- display grid, grid template columns masonry, and we're just going to ship it. Forget everybody else. Oh, it's shipped. Too late to change it. Can't change it because it's already shipped. Like, that would be a real bad thing to do, and it's something that Mozilla would never, never do. Um, so instead, we are having a conversation in the CSS working group and prototyping it in Nightly, so that behind a flag, so that people can play with it and check it out, see if they like it or not. Um, but that's pretty exciting to me. That process seems pretty well established, right? Like, kind of everybody's doing that? Yeah, yeah. In the CSS world, yeah. In the CSS world, yes. But in the JavaScript DOM API world, no. People are not doing that. And it's a really alarming trend that's happening right now. Is, is browsers, a browser in particular, it seems to keep, they just do what they want and ship it. Okay, so we got we got some new stuff. Masonry is a good one. Uh, uh, masonry, masonry. 
Printing, we're working on printing and cleaning up a lot of the bugs that we have in printing and fixing printing because printing has been neglected for so long. And it's just some of the oldest code, oldest technical debt sitting there. Um, and part of the reason that uh, Mozilla Firefox Engineering decided to work on printing is, A, we care about printing, but B, um, because doing so will put us into a really good position to be able to do other interesting things with fragmentation. And being able to do other interesting things with fragmentation is what's going to make it possible to do regions down the road or some sort of replacement for regions to to have a way in which you can flow content from one column to another column or one screen to another screen now if folding screens turns out to be a thing. Um, Or one page to another page if you are in printing. Um, so it's, it's kind of a big technical debt project to pay down technical debt, fix printing, and get ready for the next, the next uh, generation of, of layout ideas and, and graphic design ideas that might want to come after that. Um, cool. Thanks for the insight there. That's nice to, I don't know, that's fascinating to me for a variety of reasons. Adam, what's Google on? What do you, I mean, big question, I know, but you had a list, I think. I got a list, yeah. I think it should start with, uh, you know, it's not just Google hacking on Chromium anymore. We have a really rad relationship going on with Microsoft. It is just thriving. Uh, we have a Gallia who contributes. We have Opera that contributes, and we have Samsung that contributes. So we have these are the major players that contribute. It's just kind of interesting. So a lot of these features uh, aren't necessarily Google efforts. They're um, contribute, and it's really nice. So uh, I do want to tap a little bit on Layout NG. Layout NG is, you know, our, the engine that we inherited was from the 90s, and it had bugs, and it also was starting to become debt. So we've been paying down our code debt, and what we get with a lot of that is we get performance on lower-end lower devices. We get um, first-class support for multi-language layout. So something uh, Bruce Lawson the other day was on a podcast. He was amazing. He goes, uh, built-in beats bolt-on bigly, right? It's just this amazing oh, phrase. Wow. And so it's like what, <laughs> what we had was sort of like uh, some concepts built onto the engine, and they weren't built into it. And what we're doing in this refactor is we're building the considerate internationalization in the beginning. And so uh, this also sets us up for additional refactors. So we have another effort called Flex NG, which is Flex uh, Next Generation, not Flex, not good. <laughs> but uh, Next Generation Flex will come with Gap. Next Generation Flex will come with uh, performance improvements and bug fixes. Hey, Jen, this one's for you. You know your bug that you have filed against uh, Chromium for Flex and its direct descendants kind of stretching images? That will be fixed in Flex yes. NG. Yay! So also we have Yay. Layout NG coming out, which is uh, gr- well, like Grid NG. And if you looked at a tweet from Microsoft recently, they said all the stuff that they're working on, which was fragmentation, tables, grid, grid. What they didn't tell you was grid is quite generic, isn't it? What possibly could Microsoft be doing with grid? Hmm, I wonder. Uh, and why don't you ask them? <laughs> uh, and then Microsoft is also making SVG improvements, and they're helping uh, push forward fragmentation ideas. So that's just sort of like layout refactor stuff. We also do something interesting called unshipping. Uh, And unshipping is we spend a lot of time removing inherited WebKit bugs. And this is things like WebKit margin collapse. We just released that a couple weeks, or we're about to uh, unship WebKit margin collapse. We're also going to unship some aspects of WebKit appearance so that buttons can't look like radios. Um, Did you know you could do that right now? Anyway, you could say, hey, button, appearance, Mm. radio. Or radio appearance oh. button, and we're like, hey, that's that's not that's not fair. That's uh, that's really it. tricky. So we're gonna unship that. <laughs> we're gonna unship WebKit line clamp. Wow. Uh, 
No, no rules. No, hold on. Whoa, line, line clamp? No, line clamp will still be there, but check it out. Did you know that you can use percentage to line clamp? Line clamp, 50%. No. Is that based on the the height? That's or ba- the height? Exactly. Or it's based on the height of your container. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so, not like padding. But does it have to have a fixed it, height to do that? Or is, can it be its it's I can't remember, but height. there's all these weird little bugs around oh, line clamp, awkward. and I don't really feel line clamp is very useful right now. We're also adding right-to-left support for line clamp. So, like, these are fun little refactors that we're doing, um, th- things we're removing. We've also fixed over 100 bugs with tables. Oh, yeah, tables. Um, <laughs> we, uh, we, right? And here's another fun thing about bug <laughs> fixing and unshipping is uh, there's this there's this other side of it where Firefox has a, a – a bummer time where like if Chrome, you know, this is coming in. Yeah. If you're a major browser shipper and you ship a bug, people might assume that that bug is the reality. And so Firefox has to go build the yep. bug into their engine. Yep. And that sucks. That sucks really bad. So what we do is what every bug we fix is we could go tell Firefox, like, look, don't build that anymore. We've resolved it. It, it sort of removes the work off of multiple plates. I think that's really cool. Um, some other fun things that we're uh, working on. So we have web fonts. Uh, optional font display is getting worked on. We have loading performance that's been getting worked on. Um, Layout NG comes out with a bunch of stuff. Anyway, yeah, ask questions. Cool. <laughs> oh, is, I, you said like uh, font uh, stuff. Like, is, is Dev Tools going to get like like font tools like Firefox's font tools? Yes. So the I don't know if you know uh, we the Chrome Dev Tools lost many engineers to Microsoft. Um, and uh-huh. we've 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 refilled. We have new teams. They're ramping up into the ten year old, you know, ten plus year old, very complex tool known as DevTools. So we have folks ramping up, and we have UX designers on it now. We've we're committed to making DevTools uh, better. We like uh, the authoring experience. And so anyway, I'm very involved with them. So we have Grid stuff getting worked on. We have fun stuff. Anyway, it's, we have lots of plans there, but it is difficult for us to move quickly in that space since we don't have any seasoned engineers in there. Um, but yes, it's, it's on our plate. We love that stuff. DevTools is a huge tool. Anyway, so I I have lots of yeah, thoughts sorry on that. Sorry, I'd love to hear more, but yeah, sorry. Yeah, no worries. Um, other stuff with Layout NG is now uh, there's content editable improvements for all languages. Um, c- complex languages, they used to have expensive like perf um, and layout costs, but we've put those all down. So like if you're in another country on a low-end device, like we're saving your battery, we're saving your all sorts of stuff. It's kind of cool. We have new fragmentation support coming out for multi-column. And what this does is so we're kind of like ditching the old one and, and refactoring into a new one that leans towards us being able to implement something regions-like. Like multi-column, for example, if you put a Flexbox uh, layout inside of a, a column, it is really buggy. Uh, we have perf suggestions. We have suggest break avoidance, uh-huh. so like you can define where the page breaks and how these things flow. Uh, we have typed to- Columns as regions has blown my mind a little right? bit. It's kind of the first yeah, regions thing we've ever had was because you, you're spanning multiple fragments. We have typed OM stuff coming out. So uh, like the app property is uh, coming out so that you could define um, your custom property in CSS and you don't have to use Houdini and JavaScript to do that. Let's see what else we got in here. We have scoped styles. Just got a proposal the other day, not to be confused with Shadow DOM. So this just got what? revitalized. Someone's pouring water on it. They're like, "This isn't dead. You shouldn't have to do Shadow DOM to scope a style." So that's got new life. Uh, declarative Shadow DOM has new life. We have dedicated Huge. people. Somebody listens to the out. podcast. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> um, we got so. 
oh man, we have new math ML functions coming out. So Agalia is, dude, Agalia rules. I just want a really quick shout out to Agalia. Y'all are awesome. Seriously, these cats are so cool. They're wicked smart and they just sort of contribute to every browser. They're just out there contributing. Um, and Google spends a lot of money to help Agalia even implement features in other browsers. It's really cool. The amount of sharing that actually goes on amongst the browsers has been really illuminating. The more I learn about how well we're collaborating with Microsoft um, and then even the ways that we collaborate with the other browsers, it's it's so funny. Like, I don't think our engines compete. I, I just want to really quickly bring this back. I don't think our engines compete. Our, all our engines want the same thing. We all want to be the platform. But our browsers compete. And that's kind of cool. Uh, right? We have Brave. And anyway, so that was just a weird little side note. Also, aspect ratios on the docket. I'll see. Was there anything else I missed in here? I, we are all over. I mean, you just saw our HTML elements refresh. So I know. We're, we're, um, we're kind yeah. of over, unfortunately. But... Because we didn't get to, we scope styles would be amazing, but I it made me think of 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 Jen and Miriam's talking about all this like origin stuff. We didn't even get to that. We're probably gonna have to save oh, that it. Unfortunately, cool. like yeah. It. Oh gosh, Adam, you did such a good job of like doing your homework too. There's a long list of whatever Firefox is working on. I just don't. I just didn't bring it with me. I didn't do my homework. <laughs> I look forward to reading your blog. <laughs> That's post. okay. People may have noticed a lot of overlapping, like fragmentation or aspect ratios or whatever. It's because a lot of these things are happening in the CSS working group or in the, you know, they're they're things that the working group itself has been working on um, or that we do collaborate, as Adam said. Uh, The first time I ever met some folks from Microsoft and Adobe who were on the CSS working group, I went to a workshop that Elika Entomat held in Seattle to bring a bunch of folks together to read the Flexbox specification to each other and to help her sort of, yeah, fantasize, to like user test the Flexbox spec. It was cool. And I met Greg Whitworth and Adam Stern and some other folks and other people in the room who don't work for browser vendors were like, ooh, the folks at that table, because I was sitting at their table, they're like, ooh, they're going to start punching each other. They're like like fighting like mm. because they're from different you know, browsers and that's what, they must fight each other all the time. And I remember being like, wait, what? And realizing, especially now years later, that like Adam and I have more in common. Are, we probably, we have the same job as each other when like no one else at our companies have this job. <laughs> so in some ways, we're more akin and more aligned and more likely to collaborate with each other than perhaps even other folks inside our, you know. Oh, I agree, it's, Jen. It's You're so awesome. true because what do we want? We want to make something really great for the <laughs> web. We want a really great solution to regions to make overflow fragmentation or whatever. It's, you know, we want aspect ratios because we want y'all to have an aspect ratio property. So, yeah, you know, there's a lot of synergy there and a lot of overlap and a lot of um, working on the same things together. One of the things about the CSS working group right now, what the working group is working on is line level stuff. So for a long time, the working group had to fix and finish CSS2. And then they finally got to a place where they could work on easy stuff like border radius and all the stuff that went into CSS3. And when that was done, they could start working on big big layout models, which is why we got Flexbox and Grid. And then now that they've done some of those bigger block level or giant block, like container level layout modes and stuff, they moved on to look at line level stuff. So the way line level, like to try to fix line height, which is a nightmare, to try to come up with better line layout, especially for the wide range of languages that are out in the world, to clean up a lot of the technical debt 
that got created when CSS2 was created and the line level stuff was sort of weird. Um, so, what, you know, a year or two years or four years from now, you're going to start to see a lot of adjustments to what happens within line boxes and line level kinds of things. Oh, interesting. That's awesome to know. We're a little over, so we got to wrap it up. Thanks so much for being on we 400 did. episodes. All right. Thank you all so much for coming on episode 400. We really appreciate it. Uh, very special, for especially for me. I, I love learning about this stuff and uh, looking forward to when Chris and I buy our way onto the <laughs> CSS working group. And um, so we're going to – that's our heist, 2020 heist, um, uh, 400 series heist. Is we're gonna I'm going to bring Rice Krispie Treats yeah. in two different pans, and they're going to be distributed evenly yep. amongst different – it's like <laughs> a oh. fragmentation joke. And they're going to be like, oh, you're so smart. Um, but I guess before we go, uh, how can people uh, follow you and, uh, I guess, download your browser or give you money? Uh, we'll start with Jen. Uh, Twitter, Jen Simmons, jensimmons.com. Uh, I've got and an excellent YouTube channel. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah so, Land YouTube ah. channel, which I really hope to be able to get to make videos for soon. Uh, meanwhile, I made some videos on a Mozilla developer YouTube channel along with Miriam Suzanne and a couple other people. Um, Use Firefox. That's the message. Use, use Firefox. Use Firefox. <laughs> That's how you job. give us money. Uh, use it. Use it. Get your friends to uh, use it. Use build your make test your websites. Make sure your websites work in Firefox so that we have more than one rendering engine. So that we can have a web standards process. There can be more than one uh, point of view in figuring out what it is that we should have on the web. Awesome. Thank you, Jen. Adam, how can people follow you, uh, give you money, and um, download your browser? Yeah, uh, I second Firefox rules. Go download Firefox. The dev tools are sick. You can follow me on Twitter, Argyle Inc. You can find me on GitHub at Argyle Inc. And that's, that's, that's plenty. I, here's my go write web platform tests, y'all. That's mm. the best way you can help contribute. Anyway. Loved this show. Thanks for having me on. Oh, little did Adam know every single website I make is a platform test because it is perfectly coded. Touche. <laughs> wow, that's um, actually a really good reply. Reduced, reduced test case. Reduced test case yeah. test. Uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, I only do <laughs> yes. maximized test cases. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, uh, we, thank you, Shop Talk listener, for downloading. We got to go. Uh, and listening all the way to episode 400. We really appreciate it. Follow us on Twitter at Shop Talk Show for tens of tweets a month. Uh, if you hate your job, head over to shoptalkshow.com slash jobs and get a brand new one because people want to hire people like you and maybe like this company. Hey, Shop Talk Show friends. Well, you have a, uh, are you looking for a job? Because we got a job to tell you about. It's just for a straight-up front-end engineer. The place is called SDG, and it's in Los Angeles, California. So, a uh, nice place to be here. They're, you know, they're just they're looking for somebody with, you know, two to three years experience, uh, HTML, SCSS, JavaScript, you know, Gulp, Webpack, you know, the kind of stuff we talk about on the show, of course. Experience with modern frameworks is great. Vue, React, uh, headless implementations is nice. You know, like using a headless CMS like Contentful to build stuff. It looks like they do a lot of e-commerce stuff and complex web applications. Again, it's an LA. The place is called SDG. And they're looking for passionate people. You know, they're a, they're a tight-knit crew. They don't offshore anything. So it's all kind of internal work and uh, it's a great engineering company, so check it out. Make make your six-figure salary. Go get it. And Chris, do you have anything else you'd like to say? Woo! ShopTalkShow.com.